You're listening to Live from City Lights, a podcast of readings and archives from City Lights books and publishers. To learn more, visit www.citylights.com. Hello, everyone. Peter Maravellas here, welcoming you to another installment of City Lights Live, the virtual extension of the City Lights events calendar, where we continue to celebrate the works of authors we know and love with readings, discussions, and forums all year round. As is customary at the outset of each event, I'd like to acknowledge that we are beaming to you from the unceded ancestral grounds of the Ramatishaloni peoples, also known as the San Francisco Bay Area. We'd like to take this moment to offer respect to those who have come before us as stewards of the land. Tonight, we are delighted to have Coffeehouse Press back in the house. They are one of our country's great independent presses. For decades, they've been producing work of the highest caliber. Coffeehouse Press began as a small letterpress operation in 1972 and has grown into an internationally renowned nonprofit publisher of literary fiction, essays, poetry, and work that oftentimes doesn't fit neatly into genre categories. So tonight, we celebrate three new books of poetry from Coffeehouse, and what an amazing group of readers we have. We celebrate the publication of Village by Latasha and Nevada Diggs, Your Kingdom by Eleni Siclianos, and Bard Kinetic by Anne Waldman. I mean, this is truly an all-star cast. So a few words about our poets. Latasha Nevada Diggs is a writer, vocalist, performance sound artist, and the author of the book Twerp, published by Belladonna Press. Ms. Diggs has performed widely from Cal Arts and the Walker Arts Center to festivals that stretch across the world. These include the Venice Biennale, festivals in Netherlands and Germany, and much more. Ms. Diggs has received numerous honors and recognition for her work. Her previously published works include the books Ichiban and Nibon from Mo Press, and Manuel is Destroying My Bathroom from Belladonna Press. She makes her home in Harlem and teaches at Brooklyn College and Stetson University. Joining her tonight is Eleni Siliclianos. She is the author of nine books of poetry, most recently, What I Knew and Make Yourself Happy, and two hybrid memoir verse image novels, The Book of John, published by City Lights, I might add, and You Animal Machine. Her work has been translated into numerous languages. She's been at the forefront of eco-poetics and hybrid works since the early 2000s. Her work has been widely celebrated and anthologized, garnering her numerous awards, including from the National Endowment for the Arts, the Fulbright Program, and a Gertrude Stein Award in Innovative American Poetry, and much more. She currently teaches at Brown University. And last but not least, also joining us tonight is our dearly beloved Anne Waldman. And what can I say about Anne that I haven't already? City Lights has had a great honor of publishing her work. We featured her at the store on our events calendar on many, many occasions. So she essentially is family. Anne Waldman is the author of numerous volumes of poetry, including the feminist epic Iovis Trilogy, which won the Penn Center for USA for Poetry. Her other works include Trickster Feminism, Voices Daughter of a Heart Yet to Be Born, Manatee Humanity, amongst many others most recently. She was uh, co-editor in the New Weathers Poetics from Naropa Archive, co-edited by Emma Gomez. Wonderful, wonderful anthology. If you haven't checked it out, please do. She is the recipient of numerous awards and is one of our country's great poetic treasures. So please welcome Lau, Latasha, and Nevada Diggs to get the evening started. Welcome to City Lights. Thank you so much for having me. You sound like a radio announcer on like a jazz station. 
<laughs> like this is WKRP and introducing to you some just smooth jazz. Um, I'm gonna shut up. Um, thank you so much. Um, it is an honor to be reading with Eleni and Anne. It's also um, a, a surprise to see some former professors. I see you, Gloria Friend. It's nice to see you and to see um, my brother from another planet, Darren um, De Leon. So good to see you. And my little sister, Soretta. So um, I'm gonna read just um, maybe about four poems and we'll move on. So the Commodores. Nestle Nuba, she niglet, she native nurturer, she night shift noose, she imprinted impromptu. Gout gonna get granny, golly, ginger snaps, peach snaps, Pepsi and vodka on the rocks in a tall glass. Hauntings halt holier, SROs. She heard happier herds hiccup, handled hocks, she heavy hand on pineapple rings. She pressed to brown papers, scribbled numbers from Mr. Sugar Daddy, prayed she'd be potential contestant on the 20,000 pyramid. Tied truths on Pinky, the Merry Monk, weepy wee wee sex ed, push up a button, Chuck Berry's ding-a-ling sing-along, ain't she something? Our thumb, weepy pisses real straight. To treble, terrible traits tuned to wars over an unpolished silver fork. Turnt tis to taste, tinctures transfer, Miss Liz's scent of mop falls, her turtleneck, preschool taunts, thrift. Till Bible school test scores awarded Baptist peppermints, rock rebels repealed, she repealed reek. She rustled feathers, ridged fedoras, vimeo, soggy raisin brown, an ancestor, an auntie, an argumentative. I am all their apparitions. I am all absolute. Dozing under the danger of headscarves and matted wigs, rum insular impulsive, the intoxicant is indigenous, is outcast, is ward, run. Nuclear naivete nestled near nativity's nectar. Naturally, all blackouts are nightmares. That's what friends are for. The prettier, the heftier the brick, in memoriam, thank them all. The brick, the fist, the fingernails, the foot, thank them for their foundation. Distaste for an eye color no one asked for, the many times the careful aim of bottles and kickballs wore out your vision. Gratitude for their heavy brutality, the overhead of jovial slander, how the overhead minor string of compliments gifts your gums that copper tang. Pretty equates to malice, careful now. Don't let them hear you say thank you. The prettier, the stingier they share now, laters are lemon heads, except the clinch, the slow, loose, long nail apex slither, who can be trusted, in tribute hoard their smiles, 
their gropes, the rooftops and basements. Thank them for your celibacy to make sense or make it go far, far away. Who truly there for you? Count on a single hand the time's embrace, a kind snuggle on sand under the moon. Countless rescindings of endearments for fear of assault. Pretty is pushover, cute is a bruise between two wholesome holy alleys, an arcade and candy store. Lead the clotted blood on the hands of mean girls. Quiet now. Inventor of the penis pants. This drinking buddy, this drinking partner, her buddy, this chum, her nutter butter, he crave you like little Debbie, a good nut buddy's keen on tickling the thighs, but not green teats. Ride the two to the Bronx family outings weekend, a footbridge over highway, arrival to his and her home. The living buddy is sloppy, is stunted, is never lucid. It's little difference to Maduk, enabler eager on liquor, a common flux of food stamps a liquor store will trade for and weekly we arrive. Call him uncle as all good buddies are uncles and aunties call him Bill when she asserts Eldritch or is it the other way around? Flip pages, what smears too much this uncle favors books needing to cancel this Eldritch she read up on this Eldritch favors Bill. Buddy's partner bottom lip drools like the partner's bottom lip drools like the parent's bottom lip drools. Snore adhere to dust mites. A composite sketch is drawn of the jockey cup. Are the fruit of loom briefs, the one who played the grapes, redrawn about the relief in his eyes. Flare of the snout restage attempting I am Refinishing this furniture, alter the face sake of not revoking my race card. She thought whiteness, flashes, flicker, she see cotton, crop. This would be a loving image. A mother sleeping with her two daughters, above a headboard distorted by a picture of Christ. Atop a tartan couch, window veering the western sunset uncorrected. A bed and sheets itchy to which a buddy snuggles, a finger inside what is nine or 10, a maneuver he perfects each visit to reach out over guts swollen from pork chops and fibroids to not disturb what's plum disturbing. Window guards do not protect, instead entrap and corral. The revolutionary becomes a Mormon. The said uncle fondles, swaps baby for mommy, flinch free free from a fig leaf, unbound, unstrapped. On the two back home between train cars, a mother vomits her liver. Window guard three stops behind him, that sensation stirring. What is she feeling? His long thin dough. Oh dear. The buddy's fingers slick shimmer of juice, two peas in the pod the fault of DNA across waters or colonies, NYCHA or rent control, courtyards or window guards, a flash is not our fault, you think us thoughts. She reaches for a 12 pack of Nutty Buddy at Target, 
the book closes. See the problem with including photos. And then my last one, a proposal for the mayoral advisory commission on city art monuments and markers. I will create a monument to celebrate Cowboy and Billy's legacy and other neighborhood heroin addicts who serve as foster parents. I will celebrate them as functional enough to monitor their addictions when tending to my little sister and me and, and beyond 111th Street. This monument will celebrate trips to the movies on 42nd Street and comic book readings. It will celebrate how these types of extracurricular activities with Cowboy and Billy, when appropriately supervised, led to imagination, dreams, possibility outside our neighborhood's landscape. Depending upon your vantage point and approach to Lenox Avenue's corner of 111th, the monument will comprise of two silhouettes, Cowboy wearing his military boonie hat and Billy wearing his leather bomber jacket with one facing east and the other north on the triangular public area that is the beginning of St. Nicholas Avenue or Wequasic, an old Wappinger tribe trail that predates the commissioner's plan of 1811. St. Nicholas, AKA Santa Claus, is considered the patron saint of children, sailors, and thieves. The monument will stand directly across from the once iconic red brick building that housed the Yiddish Lenox Theater and the Second Canaan Baptist Church. Rainbow granite will be carved in a shape that mimics swollen forearms with hyperpigmented papules, commonly known as junkie arms, the results of skin popping and long-term extravenous drug use. It is my opinion that Cowboy and Billy disrupt the perception of those with drug addictions. Both are worthy of a monument. This monument showcases how Cowboy and Billy maintained a sense of morality and a protective attitude toward their drinking buddies' children, oftentimes contradicting the public's positioning of them as only heroin addicts. Counter to commonly held perceptions of drug addicts, Cowboy and Billy saw us, the daughter of men, as worthy of a childhood momentarily free of trauma. On the day of the unveiling, I will host a screening of the 1973 James Bond movie, Live and Let Die, as the site for this future monument appears in an overhead shot when Agent 007 ventures to Harlem to locate Dr. Kananga, AKA Drug Kenpin, Mr. Big, played by the actor Yafet Koto. Yafet Koto co-starred in the film Alien, 1979. Thank you. Thank you so much, Latasha. So great to hear you read. Um, a little Naropa nexus happening here tonight since uh, I first met Latasha at Naropa and I second met Anne at Naropa after um, meeting her in 1965 when I was six weeks old. So happy to see all of you. I'm so happy you're here. Um, I wanna give a shout out actually to my mom who's turning 80 today. Happy birthday, mama. Happy birthday, Robert Burns. Um, and I see my little sister 
has uh, joined, which is very exciting. Somehow I'm more nervous than ever because my little sister's here from her remote uh, forest station where she's a forest researcher in northern New Mexico. Hey, Puli. Hey, baby sis. In the book called Bioluminescence, we all went aflame. Um, I'm going to read a poem that starts with a line by uh, Carla Harriman. In the beginning, in the beginning, there was no doom. The large grass-eating mammals were absent, and so were the grasslands for them to feed upon. Rodents and seed-eating birds, the rose-crowned fruit dove and caranculated caracara, no. The great burgeoning of flowering plants had not yet taken place, so no bees, no. Corals had arisen and corals had exited. Hard-hooved animals with grain-crushing molars had not arrived, nor had the carnivores with meat-ripping incisors to eat them. No hooves left over in the field, no fridge-sized elephant seals body-slamming on the beach, nor amphibian intestines. Obviously, no Christmas and no Christmas tree worms had yet extended their feathery plumes and delicate radials for trapping scraps of food. No to party politics, yes to genetic drift. In this picture, your ancestors are shadowy creatures. We'll get back to you when more fossil data becomes available. So, person, what next? What if, what if we saved it all, friend? I leave the word saved to let the pattern speak. How's the sound, guys? Good? Okay, excellent. Okay, daytime light through a barrel of trees. And this poem is um, dedicated to those bees that pollinate one species of orchid and those orchids that need one species of bee to pollinate them. Between the leaf and the tree, between a they and a we, between the honey and the bee, ants inch an ant along the counter stitching the diff, and this flower's shape will remember its sheath-tongued bee. Yes, of course the orchid and its stamen will remember their lost bee. Bee, orchid, orchid, bee. By lost, we mean forever. By remember, we mean what language traces of this ravaging see? And I'm gonna read, um, I'm gonna read an excerpt from the, the long title poem, Your Kingdom. By kingdom, I mean our animal kingdom. Um, and it's, it's about a 55 page poem. I'm gonna, I wanted to read a part I haven't read 
aloud. I haven't read actually much of it aloud, and I'm just kind of jumping in to the middle. There are little section breaks in this, but I'm not going to pay that much attention to that. And I'm going to read from this for about five minutes, then I'm going to do uh, another poem, and then maybe one more. Okay, Your Kingdom excerpt. Little scenes of hunger or love or greed reshaping a hand or a root. Darkness bleeding into subarachnoid space. No body plan, no mind to have it, turning in the fluids of some tiny wet balloon, a space, a future body cavity hunkering down in fold holds. No sweet waltz yet, no sweat, just a deep, enormous panthalassa, your mama ocean, turning a gelatinous blob to nerve and bone. Oh, a cell signaled to another, a kind of first talking. Then some daughter did not separate during division, deciding it was better to stick together. That was in the mother of all us other animals, mama after ocean being sponges. So signaling started between non-related creatures pressed inward the way you would now press your palms to your cheeks or your tongue to your teeth. Ancient gestures between one-celled beings gathering. Then you started to move and sprout and wriggle, wheeze and creep, buzz or leap. Soon one part of you could see and smell and feel and hear. Another part of you could move and together you made an arc between the parts, arc between the parts, a filament trussing thought, cathedraling tissue. It's a wonder all your previous selves work together as you walk down Broadway. I wanted to tell you how you still carry the sea around inside you. I mean, you walked out of the ocean with ocean, keeping the percentages pretty straight. What is that swirling, sparking, sparkling, darkling cloud of blue up in your skull doing now? I mean, an electrical storm became your brain. Anyway, put Pennsylvania over your former Amazonia, throw Siberia on your prior desert, Ohio over ancient reefs. Soon the Nereids will roam astounded through submerged gardens, swim in silent wonder into kitchens, finger the chemical load binding atoms. You, a tetrapod, Sarcopterygian scavenger, hunter, gatherer, impermanent delicto, so good at eco-niching, will show up and smash the ovens, eat the cakes. Listen, Therapsid, beast face, get the molecular memo. Every heart of every species unfolds from the self-same germs. The blue whale's slow car of a heart, a pygmy shrews or bumblebee bat's hasty motor going 
Blue streak, breakneck, lickety split, dazzles. The earthworms, pseudo hearts are wrapped around its pie hole, and the triple hearted cephalopod pumps blue green blood through all its chambers. The shape of your heart, if human, is similar to a pine cone and is about the size of your fist. If only we could learn how a zebrafish's broken heart regrows like a strawberry flower, just turned delectable, fruiting over and over, press it to your lips. The little muscle closes up its wound in seconds. I'm sorry to inform you that your resting heart rate and a cockroach's are the same. My heart's electrical output reaches out below the line, squiggling like a tadpole tail in black and shows its shadows of hurt, probable previous anteroceptal attack, but not its affinities and loves, mother, daughter, woman, dolphin, otter, kitten. It goes on and on about hearts for a really long time. I'm gonna, I wanted to play an audio piece because I was just in Oakland and playing with my brother and his partner, my brother Joseph Sicilianos and his partner Kat White. Um, and so we kind of, yeah, we did some stuff with some of the poems from the book. Peter, will you play that? You guys out in the audience might need to adjust your audio levels a little bit. Hopefully you can hear it. About three and a half minutes. I was polishing my animal mirror. No moths appeared there in the single crystal genetic light in the dark mirror candle night I was polishing my animal mirror examining my animal teeth a snake appeared in the mirror's thin gravel driveway someone had run over had flattened it into permanent S-shape. In the animal mirror, my incisors were not fangs, but surely they could still tear meat. the bear I was polishing my animal mirror practicing non-invasive knowing and wondering about control the magic kin magic skin of this animal mirror
say to yourself, shining like a violet ground beetle under a stone. Sea stars are near vertebrates, over to the left. Coelacanths on the far side, riding toward you, and birds. Reptilian branch of flame on the plain. In the animal mirror, mollusks are inching toward earthworms who Touching themselves, touch earth anew. Each time they move. Thanks for playing that, Peter. I think I'll just circle back to the beginning in the book called Bioluminescence. We all went aflame. Thanks for listening. The floor is yours, Anne. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to read with these poets and friends and and uh, see some familiar faces out there. Great to see everyone. So this is Bard Kinetic, great cover by No Land. And um, it's a romp through my life a bit. Uh, includes memoir, elegy, um, little poems over the years that didn't have a home elsewhere. Um, also essays, some interviews, a little bit of collaboration, some correspondences with uh, Joanne Kiger through uh, email, um, various kinds of tributes and thinking and, you know, compiled it over the last few years and it's not exactly uh, chronological by any means, but I'll just jump in. It's hard to sort of, uh, decide what to read in a book like this. But I'll start with uh, a bit from the opening um, kind of memoir called Sketch, where I'm talking about, I've come up to the beginning of the poetry project in New York. Frank O'Hara's tragic death in 1966 at age 40 stunned the art world and much of the poetry world. The New York school was grieving. He was a planet, magnetic, stimulating. We were planets too. He was still a young poet. Although I'd only just met him, I felt his transmission and energy charge, his permission to have direct experience in and with art, with poetry, with people. He suggested I come work as a volunteer intern at MoMA. I needed a paying job, but his attention was a salient marker in my life. How to appropriately honor and describe the countless events, readings, performances, first encounters with some of the most controversial and outrageous thinkers and writers of any time. New Year marathons, memorial readings, collaborations, benefits, all night planning sessions, fundraisers, magazine collations that were to take place under the protective wing of St. Mark's Church. How to record the imprint in heart and mind stream of language, sheer sound and beauty of vocables as they resounded ear to ear, how to tell here the sweetness of Charles Resnikoff, the trajectory of his work, unique, modest, tough, 
how to capture the menacing hilarity of Gregory Corso's streaking at a Michael McClure reading, the symbolic assassination of Kenneth Koch with blank pistol during the period of Columbia University insurrection, where he was viewed as establishment hierarchy by poetic anarchists who stormed up the aisle in Marxist raincoats. Denise Levertov's sharp political concern during the Vietnam War, yearning and impassioned rage in her voice, clear as a bell, Ken Kesey making the audience stand and really breathe, the rafters shaking with hyperventilation, John Wiener's fragile and dreamy movie star reading, one pant leg rolled up, gold lame scarf around his head, Amiri Baraka hammering on content, power of his prophetic song, Burroughs' come back to America with gravelly demonic voice from an even darker side of samsara, Yoko Ono's minute of white silence during the annual New Year's benefit reading, Barbara Guest, elegant, brave, and lucid after a serious concussion, light streaming in the church's stained glass windows the morning we began the all-day, all-night Gertrude Stein marathon. Some of the story will never be told, held in magical interstices in secret mind computer chambers, deeper in hearts, tender spaces. How many times could you fall in love? How many times could you have your heart broken? Reading after reading, event after event, I bow under the task of this description. And let's see, jump to, this is a older piece, Epitaph for Octave. Meet me in the park if you love me, Frank O'Hara. Used to get dressed regularly, time shortens impact of I used to. McDougal Street used to get shooed off, peeking into neighborhood mafia club used to, and numbers ring there, the corner miracle to think with uses used up. Jonathan Cott used to see you often here, age 13. Have you heard of the dark enlightenment? It's an exit from democratic society with parts of the world for unregulated experiment. Will it still be there? Society used to, used to use it to use it to see our algorithmic decisions. Freedom on this planet, freedom, the future is done. An Elizabethan pageant acknowledges that death. You like the cryonic tapers, old desk in hope. You wrote marriage a sentence once upon restless elegy. Upstairs stirred an old wound. The wood did get outside round corners, daily baptisms. Street running from panic, misses a from, a to, and in disappearing behind eidetic power. Capture St. Anthony, the saint, the church in testament, veiling the Ark of the Covenant as if by wings of cherubim. To answer a function of poetry, it's threnody, bowed down, John said, to guard against pride. Need a lot of dissonance in your spiritual cord. All previous lovers remain at the ancient window. Francis, Maman, had the key. Lips and hands take up a different call. Washington Square Park. In the singing circle, the protest circle, call it narcotizing nostalgia and arch over catastrophic illusion. Hell, call it loss. You claim it or laud it. Abolition of borders, the beatnik night. Architecture of breathing. I'm the first and the last. I'm the honored one and the scorned one. I'm the whore and the holy one. I'm the wife and the virgin. I'm the mother and the daughter. I'm the solace of my labor pains. I'm the bride and the bridegroom. And it is my husband who begot me. I'm the mother of my father and the sister of my husband. And he is my offspring from the Nag Hammadi codices. 
The thunder, perfect mind, he will say, and then I'll interrupt concerns, a strange eye, fixity of illusion, one eye seemingly wider than other. But can you see me, poet in the garden, a seedling, wild in form of attention? Then later another he, he will say nothing, but hours later, to name is to destroy, look at me trawling, or say something, he being another bubble of idle chatter from below with alternate visual foci and investigate my spirit split infinitives. Why are they always saying at me? Polarity, echolocation, eyeing me, no reconciliation for art. I get it, I get it, desire of investigate this, X says. Useful quizzical animation, perpetual or below motion across border artists. What does their exile look like? Moan how difficult these guys are. The men, the men, the men, suffering idle stars. Labyrinthian zones with attar, musk, wasp nest, earwigs, nouns, nouns, nouns. We had bouncing up the ground and a roof on planet mercy. We had, and I was done there telling me what to do and needed ways in which to communicate, grapple, back off. Might I invent sounds created from poems unrelated to their breathing? This is for John Ashbury, Shadow Behind Eclipse. When he died, a temperature went down, trees in the sky above flat irons, tremor there. Oh, didn't, didn't then he see? We were driving in the canyon moons ago when he said, said then, closing in, fool for this love. He was our drumming ritual. If you were a berserker and willed by constellations, he was our prize for being born. This world through school time, through bliss, through saltiness and the question, can gentlemen do without? Never retreat from scrutiny or miss the enemy. Burnt leaf smell like resin. He was our fear of a sentence half dreamed if we couldn't seize the whole. He was our vessel, our cave and boot. Train ride to the province, meandering by river, panic to be left out of this landscape of picnic, whole tone memorized, many colors. He was our vanguard of non-self, scent and doubt, of deep carriage into the unknown. What do you know of it if you know not? Him. When he did laugh, he did and mused that was a blue eye special. He was putting things next to one another. You too somehow included. Then you too things did, didn't have to bond, but in poetry happen. And now listen to his voice with eyes gone wild for flowers, scratchy reel to reel, 1966, sacred fury of a primordial world, half mannish garb on the sentence, a profile in the hallway across all crystal neuro pathways, mirror, mirror, up to nature and what we had a glimpse. He was our respite, midnight excursions off limits, sometimes a candle at the brain wondering, fallen star, what rhymed with it? Espoir, hope. Blood in the heart held supine. He was our cosmography in a better world you could count on. Relief, release. Let go for Lewis Warsh. I said we started it. We founded it then, Angel Hair, that very night, the Robert Duncan reading in Berkeley, 1965, the conference night we met. Robert Duncan commanded we make a magazine. You always said no, later it was, later it was the car ride. In a car we founded it. How do you exactly found something in a car? It showed the temper of our various minds. 
Talking in a car is a magazine, I suppose. I wanted it to be falling in love was also this idea the night we were falling in love and we would be really good together making something good. You never just fall in love with a person and make love with them, that we make something. That's the whole point that we are inside poetry and that Robert Duncan commanded this. I know he did and he is a magus. Poetry was love for us, poetry is mysterious. How could he not have cast a spell? You were conversant in the most exciting poetry and the gossip about Jack Spider hating the beats. He wouldn't be part of the conference and then he died. Too young to think of a house. What do we think when falling in love? There is no future. We are right now. What I liked was being in this crowd of poetry. Want to make together another reality. Now there would be babies with others. That's making time enough or no time for that. A magazine is a paper window, also a car window. Keep opening the papery curtains or let the air in. And maybe you need a windshield wiper and music and someone else driving to make a magazine, a bedroom of strange bedfellows. We were the next night somewhere on Knob Hill, a fancy part of town. You were kind and very beautiful, slender, gentle body. I'd never been there, but you had a story with the people in the apartment, beautiful young men. It was a tangle, a new tangle. I remember standing in front of a mirror on lysergic acid going through all my lifetimes and especially this one. I had a vision of all the persons I knew and how we had passed through some ancient anxieties, but it was important that we were all still together, changing how we looked, morphing, something radically changing in us fast from infant, but we were all feeling urgent about knowing something together and doing something. What was it? Why were we all looking up? My vision was look up all of it, the people I loved, Mother Frances, look up and you there too, my new friend. I need an assignment for them because of love. I thought, what an egomaniac. If I could just get one assignment from up there, from the quiet stars, I would take it on to help. Everything takes on each other for everything, everyone taking it on. They also wanted to make something together in the vision. That was what I was supposed to make. Maybe it would work for everyone. What to do thinking and wash my face age and return to dust, poof. That was the point that I disappear. It was a wandering day. Did I carry, have an idea about a magazine from the day before? I can't remember, but I wanted to be around words and remember struggling to get over the bridge to Allen Ginsberg reading the conference. It felt important. And we were stopping and sitting down and lost in the lines on our hands and street lamp light and undulation, lines of undulation, galaxies. I felt very light and drawn to this fluid person next to me. We were poets. We were going to be poets together and make something, syllables coming in the air, the street, that was a feminine plan, a path through parks and other places, a wandering line, a femme plan, manicured parts, but action in a garden and plants and trees, very luscious, soft, and when they were not, they were reminders of plant intensity, vibrating, striking out, pushing you away, then embrace very animate plants, we then erotic, if you sat with them, you were with them, thinking with them, I didn't know this city, San Francisco at all, but it was many rays of light coming through a night and sitting by water. Where could that have been? Like velvet, sometimes a building looking up, walking up hills, my insides are ribbons of light, scent of jasmine, I am thinking. We couldn't get over the bridge. And later I thought, this was like karma. This was action. This was when you learn about action, whether or not you get across a bridge to hear Allen Ginsberg for the first time is action or not. And when you don't, because you think it is important and you think you missed it, then it's karma, it will come back to haunt you. Where you meant to fall in love or a poetry reading, fall in love, what we could do 
and did what we didn't, couldn't do, how far we could go, years, never let go. And just a couple of more here. This is Practical Thunder for Cedar Saigo, who said, and it's time to write some kind of personal book, jump, put all these little things together. And it opens with Diane and Joanne. I remember phone calls to dope, I'm sorry, Practical Thunder. I remember phone calls to Diane after a breakup. She, like Joanne, would advise that you keep the domicile somehow. That was more important than heartbreak. A domicile was somehow tangible. Where will you work? Set up your shrine. Living is too expensive. It's not economical. Can't someone live in the closet, in a garage, in a shed? Come on, work it out. Take turns. Don't be privileged about this nightmare of survival. Not wise ecology. But the pain, you'd say, stay friends, and there would be that lovers to brothers, get out from under the what burns you about Kerouac school, your great vow. They say it's not a school without a building, an endowment, supposed to get more academic. Don't spend all the time resisting, but of course, all the time resist. Make shape of your own imagining for it, what you would like to envision. If you split with that at school you make, think about how they'd have to deal with the load you lifted, panic about the archive maybe. Someone would wake up, but maybe not. If you're so damn wide awake, no one will think they have to be too scared to let go. Hmm, guess so, but promised Robin Blazer we'd all be in archive heaven together. And Amity said, don't let them, our poets, get buried. Don't forget, moonset, the upside down, left-hand path, Ulat Bomsi, topsy-turvy, who's in, who's out. We're all the scandal. Never be an apologist for anyone. Not the godforsaken beats, please. We will have our beat day in court. Her third eye, high concern out from inside, was checking me out through the wires, maybe feeling a pulse inside sympathy, how hand pulls back hair out of your eyes. What you taught me, wipe your eyes, ease and not worry, not so uptight. Let things unfold of their own volition. Don't push to study every which way of which of the magic arts takes a symbol, stay with it a witchy way. Take it, visualize it as it moves through you. They'll come requesting you, the bodhisattvas, I promise. A perfect symbol for Anne, the perfect Yidam, inner deity secret. I know, I say, these things are symbols of themselves, but don't you miss it? It's always with me. You don't want to stop. What about Bobby Dylan? Lucky to have seen him play live all those times, whatever the thunder. Nice time, nothing to cling to. How can poets live that luxury? Why can't rock and roll do more for the cause? It's some kind of God realm thing. What kind of music is it anyway? I guess for the pleasure God realm, Deva Loka, could you be jealous of the God realm? I'll never be able to define that soft indulgence. And Ginzi, he wasn't even there with you when you met Ali at the garden backstage. And he said, yo, you're a poet and you know it. Then having to deliver a spontaneous poem, intersections for consociational map with his bodyguards and pastel, not more unlikely contenders. And the night Bob was purposely confusing W.S. Burroughs with Tennessee Williams. And we were going to meet Raul Castro at a party where, and I'd say, William, and he'd say, Tennessee. I sometimes wanted to get to a monastery. You want to indulge, wait till the seat gets hot and you crash, get back on stage for idiot win. Syndrome, like a stone rolls home, is no direction, more like a tambourine scatters. It's the sexy sub-vocal of all the songs when you hear the man talking beyond himself, like Glenn Gould humming with Bach, the inner tune. I don't know, is there time for one more? You betcha. Okay. Just, I'll end with, uh, let's see. 
Makes up the cry of desire, I'm a corset wrecker. Memoriam Kathy Acker. Sometimes I want a corset like to harden me or garnish. I think of this stricture, rain, language building as a corset, an outer ideal mold, mold. I feel the ideal molding me. The ideal is now my surface, just so very perfect. I know where to buy it and I take it off. I take it off. That's Lisa Robertson. What is it? Why is it, Kathy Acker? You're Emma Goldman, end of dream. I confess you are a wonderful anarchist. What is it to be corset maker of labor and purpose, binding the bone and rabble and cotton in a daily sweat of anarchist teen toil? I, Emma, I, Anne, I, Kathy Acker. What is it to know the sweat of us, my sisters? Will heaven give in to defiance? Will heaven rock the defiant? May Day, 1886, a deficit. The workers celebrate and demonstrate disobedience. Our cunts are silver daggers and matter explodes when she, a they, a he, a they, and all a they, and they, and you take off the corset and the rich girls don't dance. Enter and disrobe their sweet fucking slits. Slits are vices to crush your wealthy patriarchs. Deconstruct the bone and cloth and taxes that bind and fill up the purses of oligarchs. What is a sexy oligarch? I doubt it. This is Sunday, a day off in the piss factory. I was paranoid. You take my reading away. I don't want to be alone with my machines. Oh, Emma, oh, Kathy, oh, Hannah, oh, Carolee, please bring in the stranger who holds the strings. He pulls through the aperture of patriarchal factories everywhere. What oligarch wears the corset, inspects the factories, piles of rubber, rubble while we're the center of the universe? They speak exploitation, can't help but demean, and they're are not these the evil magicians? I, timeless, I, a one with the ghost of dead sisters, recognize imposters anywhere. I file past the crypt of Uncle Ho. I, an anarchist. I, Emma. I, Kathy. I, Carolee Schneeman. I, Hannah Wiener. I, Anne, fresh in from Russia, where they touch up hideous Stalin. I, with the country in pilgrimage. They call us the American War. How many shrines to author you, Uncle Ho, construct a jumping identity. I am on pilgrimage. Image, war is not real. Needs, death is needs with your universe. Top of body toys, but image nation, the top of the bloody soil. Kathy sees this ahead of herself while dead, where a court pronounces four anarchists murdered and Albert Parsons speaks for eight hours and I demand the floor. Tiny hands with needles, punting, pushing, slamming the passion and innuendo in the new American century abolished. It's an all-in epic and all resounding no, screaming, I am the defendant. Let the words out. Abandoned cover of the corset constraint. Taunt, taunt, taunt your tiny hands at the machines. Are you needles sewing a distorted body or are you sewing power, Emma? Goldman moon against your heart. You want to escape the factory metabolism. Nipples rub against stone of empire that binds the bone in this labor. To you who will always be asking our divinity cards about future boyfriends, those who no longer kiss the butt of the state and profit off the labor of Emma's hands and Kathy and Hannah and Judith Molina and Carol Lees and I author Anne who makes not a dime to dine out and our girlfriends, maybe they'll all be on our side. Workers of daily living, surviving an economic per string purpose. What is it to be declared? What is it to be a migrant worker? Emma, her long days, her toil making a garment while I, a system, want only to let the anarchists in. We help you now, sisters. I toil. I, Kathy, will arise. I, Anne, in safe territory, will arise. Did Emma ever take her revolutionary sex, love, lust out of Russia? Where's Russia in Emma's heaven? We are at war, sisters. Kathy, Emma, Melina, Diane de Prima, Anne, Carolee. I offer America to be your crucible. 
It's an energy of death, sweat, and toil to be free of the fascisms of how and where and when and why, oh, never free of J. Edgar Hoover, but my Emma, Carolee, Anna, Tudor, Diane, imaginations ever free of the imagination of J. Edgar Hoover. Is he still here? He who will most surely, most certainly have your name in his fractious labor and psychopathic toil as he toils and plays with John Lennon even now when he the ghost of fractious fatwa dead J. J. Edgar Hoover is stalking, haunting the workplaces, the meeting places, the commune of all my sweat and purpose. And what is it to be a large woman be speckled and intent in the socialist moment? You want to call it that? Why do you, you want to call it? It's so much more, but do call it that. And I'm sure you will call it that and most dangerous of violence and terror to incite a riot. What is it to be thus called trouble, to be forever unpopular with authorities, to be watched and goaded and arrested and in lockdown? What kind of error, terror moment is this? And will it survive and assassinate a president? This kind of moment, will it survive McKinley? Will it survive psychopathic fractious J. Edgar Hoover? And will the ghosts of Haymarket stalk and tremble the Union Hall? And will Kathy, Queen of Pentacles, and Carolee, and Hannah, and Melina, and De Prima surveil these clusters, these mirrors that fracture empire? I live to see, oh, brave sisters, oh, Emma, still in that old purpose binding cotton. And will that will that acts and offers stabs of protest and memory arising, will it be, oh, my sisters, will that will break the Corset that binds the moment. Well, that was breathtaking. <laughs> Pure light. I, I, the current was certainly on this evening. So much respect and gratitude to the three of you. This has been a rarefied moment for certain. Latasha, Nevada Diggs, Elena Sicilianos. Dear Anne, um, it is such an honor to really have you all in one place at one time. Is there, um, you know, um, Eleni, I'm going to unmute you. I think okay. Latasha's unmuted. Okay, so, yeah. Um, yeah, let's, 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 let's hang out. I hate when these things like end abruptly. So, yeah. <laughs> no, it's such a, it's so great to be a part of the City Lights family here and see people from oh, all <laughs> And if there's anybody that, you know, you want to talk to comment or questions or just how are you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I can unmute anybody, you know, just uh, if you want to point someone out or if anybody wants to raise their hand in the audience, you know, I can I can turn on your uh, your mics. So, um, yeah. Thank you. I I just wanted to say that um, I love the fact that we are continuing to do Zoom events. like this because it just allows us people from all over the world to actually get together and it's great that we're able to be back in person more and you know sagaciously of course carefully but that we're continuing and i hope we continue with the zoom events because it's just great to see people from all over the world and to hear these voices that i wouldn't be able to hear if i had to be in person so thank you very much for keeping up this tradition Thank you, Cole. That means a lot to us. A lot of hands going up. I don't know, Peter, if you want to. Uh, yeah. Let's see what else we have here. Bob, Koshin Hansen, Douglas Filser. And Vincent. Vincent, yeah. Can you see Peter? 
Yeah. Uh, so folks, you know, when I unmute you, you really do have to kind of click on your, uh, you have to accept. There we go. Okay. Douglas? Yeah, there you are. Yeah. So I love you people. I've, I remember going there all the time. You threw me out sometimes too, because I was a, a, a petitioner, okay? And I got thrown out. I remember that a few times. It was a lot of fun in those days, you know? I have four books now that I've written since. And uh, I knew all these guys from Ram Dass, you know, to the Chicago 7, to all these things back. Now I became disabled. I got a wife though, she takes care of me, okay? And, uh, but I tell you, our city lights, is always going to be in my mind, okay? You folks were fantastic. This was a few years ago, maybe five years, then 10 years before that. So, over at City Light. So, uh, God bless you all. And uh, I got the uh, four books and uh, Larry Alexander name. Okay, everybody knows that one. Okay, so type it to different Thank name, you. but, um, you know, I'm really happy about City Lights. God bless you all. Thank yeah. you, Douglas. That's 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 very very kind. Um, Bob, I'm trying to unmute you. You have to uh, click on. There you go. Yeah. Well, I'm Bobby Hanson from Milwaukee. Um, Twelve years ago, I was in Ann's class at Naropa, and I've been, I think, there six times and since that time. And Ann, you don't know how much that uh, has affected me and these three poets tonight were extraordinary. Uh, I would just remind everybody I'm a facilitator for warrior writers. I'm a Vietnam era vet. And uh, in the last five years, I've been working primarily in the veteran <laughs> kind of battlefield poetry. And it's an extraordinary area. And I hope that uh, City Lights will look at some of our writers uh, there's some great stuff out there, but this has been a wonderful evening, and Anne, uh, great to see you. Same. You don't know how much you affect people. <laughs> Blessings, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for your service, Bob. Much appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, Gemma. Uh, hello. So my name is Gemma. I'm from Calgary, Alberta in Canada, so I really enjoyed the reading from the three poets, Latasha, Eliana, and Anne, um, because it was so energetic, and it is so great to have a gathering with high poetic fiber from the three authors and new books, and including uh, the live performance from Eliana, which is wonderful as well. So my I have a little bit of a question comment for the three of the poets, if they like to comment, because I mean, for I'm a poet as well. And for me, when I wrote uh, poetry during the years of pandemic, it was a way of processing everything that was happening. Uh, somebody else mentioned that things have changed widely after the events of uh, health global crisis and everything. So, and because in Latasha's poems, there is like extensive enunciation of objects, places, spaces, as they relate to an urban space. And she talks in her third poem about revolutionary new normal, which for me, like it, I'm, it makes me think of city lights, of course. 
And similarly to the last poem that Anne read, uh, speaking about anarchism and the image of American, which is like a central image. So, and this, I think if I remember in Eliana also, I mean, I have to say that I love uh, her reading of your kingdom book. So I would love to definitely get to know more about your kingdom specifically. So, but yeah, I think her poems relate to Oakland, as she mentioned. So if you can comment about how did you relate to spaces in the poems that you read tonight? Thank you. Latasha, um, Eleni, or do you want to comment? I'm not, sure. I'm not sure if I understood the question. Maybe how, how you relate to spaces in the poems, I think. Is that is that or right? The spaces that you that you express in the poem, like you feel like there is a new relationship to this urban spaces in the case of poems that you wrote after how you relate to urban like you have a new a new new eyes in the way you look at spaces around you how do i look at the spaces around me um in the poems um i guess i'm i'm gonna quickly quote what gloria friend said in the chat room hyper dilated <laughs> um the 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 particular spaces in the poems I've read have to do with uh, a Harlem, let's say of the 80s, 90s. And um, I mean, a couple of things went into uh, writing them and, and creating these spaces, partly from memory and then partly um, from a lot of other things that may not have necessarily taken uh, been the setting, but but the settings of multiple different places um, to to create the scene. Mm -hmm. And I mean the la I mean the last poem, the last poem in itself is a is is a project proposal, right? Mm -hmm. Because I, I I felt that. Um, creative beings are kind of conditioned to switch into this like project language all the time to get some money <laughs> to do something. Um, I will this, I will that, all the affirmative, you know, uh, language that, that it gets, gets annoying and trivial. And then at the same time, because this nation has been talking so much about monuments, which ones should be destroyed, which ones should be built. I wondered uh, what would happen if someone proposed a monument for uh, individuals who suffered from um, uh, substance abuse, individuals who, um, Nothing is wrong with them per se, other than they have an illness, um, or, or that, um, or that their lives led them down this path. And uh, we have monuments to heroes or notables. We have a few monuments for victims, 
but what, you know, can we see them as worthy of the same thing? So the land, I mean, I mean, the space that I'm creating in that poem is, is a project proposal, you know, a proposal to honor these individuals because really nothing was wrong with them uh, aside from the fact that they had a substance abuse that they that are they they had some type of illness that they needed whatever they were using to cope with um uh they're very much part of this society they're very much part of um what uh what i became who i became so Thank you, Latasha. That's something certainly that's on my mind a lot. Um, but I think in the poems that I was reading, it, there are not so many urban spaces, but the the very crowded space of the human body. Um, and so, in terms of like, if I'm thinking about how I'm relating to space in in the poems in the book, I'm thinking about kind of deep animal space and all the other animals that we're carrying around all the time that actually invented, you know, um, amphibians invented shoulder girdles and hip girdles. And so every time you move your shoulder, um, you have the space of an amphibian in your body. Um, worms were the first creatures to invent something like a heart. So I'm kind of, and I guess one of the things that I'm trying to work out or maybe not work out, but just, uh right through is the way that that um the scientific thought has been trying to separate the human from every other kind of species for a really long time which in a way also then leads to the kind of urban space that latasha is talking about um that kind of separation of humans of needs of uh, you know all those things mm -hmm. So yeah, it's not it's not really it's a it's a not a um, an actual physical space that I'm thinking about. Yeah, metaphor. Oh, I want to give a shout out to HR too. By the way, who really worked magic on this book? Thank you, HR Hegenauer. <laughs> and I think also worked. I think maybe we all worked with HR a bit. Yeah, I always have to go to her when yeah. these yeah things are you know not coming through. <laughs> Yeah, HR, my animal. <laughs> we have a um, Sarita raising uh, her hand. Hi, Sarita. Um, Sarita. Thank you so much, um, City Lights. Thank you, Latasha, Eleni. Um, Anne, it was so great to hear you all tonight, and I'm so excited. Um, congratulations on your books. I'm really excited for them, and I want to ask what are the things that each of you are excited for in bringing these books out into the world? What conversations are you hoping that they're going to catalyze at this point in your artistic journeys and just positioning in the world? Well, I think at my age, it's, you know, so involved with the archive. We're still trying to figure out a solution, a, you know, a real solution for Naropa's extraordinary audio archive that goes back to the founding and, you know, in 74, and care of that and, you know, continuing that. So that, you know, with, with this book, I put together a kind of montage looking at what I had. I mean, I, there's a lot that's not in there, but trying to um, get to the essence of, 
you know, what, what thou lovest well remains, that sort of thing. And, you know, it comes to me, I remember so many elders over the years talking about those threads of, of poetry that sustain you and stay with you. And um, this was a departure. I'm usually writing a one poem book and it's sort of investigative and I got, kind of got deeply into it, like Gossam Murmur, which was actually a book about archive. But this was a, you know, an assortment that I, I wanted to bring together of things that had, you know, hadn't had, uh, you know, they didn't, they seemed too personal, too emotional and so on. But uh, there was a way to, um, you know, I just wasn't going to write, uh, sit down and write a memoir at this point. There was so, just so many other things to do. So it helped me to feel uh, freedom working with Coffee House that I, I worked with before to, to be able to do that and bring a kind of picture. And then there's so many beloved ones who passed, as we know, in these last years. And, you know, there are many kind of elegiac pieces for people I've worked with and felt close to. I mean, there's something for John Giorno at one point, and then I remember being with him, kind of holding hands on our on a early trip to visit Stan Brackage, uh, John open, and just and going and looking at um, some of his films that were so, you know, fragile and temporary and and uh, uh, flickering. So you know, you get into looking at your your life through these different lenses and gazes. So that was helpful, but it was not a, you know, it's like Cedar said, just do something more personal, want to know more about your life and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And of course, the life is the people and poetry and putting, you know, how we kept putting these things together. And I'm very proud. I mean, I was pride of our generation and what's, you know, what's come of it and what continues and something like this just brings that out even more. And then being with these you know, other poets who have also just um, I've watched Eleni a lot of years and and Latasha as well, who's, you know, her, her voice is just amazing. And this book seemed a real, I don't know, a, a, a really strong sense of also where, you know, things are coming from. So I love the personal, that what, what, are, what are our obsessions and passions? What, the, what, are, what are we remembering? What's important in those threads? Mm -hmm. And so it's a kind of, I love that question, Sreda, and I just want to say that Sreda has a coffee house book coming out too, <laughs> so we we can look forward to that. Um, yeah, all I mean, I guess all conversations that arise, but um, just I guess conversations about um, you're thinking about the collectivity that each of us are as we're walking, you know. Um, I was meditating on a lot on these animals, siphonophores, they're colonial, so quote unquote colonial animals. They're all different kinds of, of little tiny zoids that make up a creature, one creature. So just thinking, yeah, think, thinking about um, how do we talk, also how do we talk about the eco-poetic in a joyful way at this moment? Not, obviously it can't, we can't ignore um, all the grief that we are living through every day, but how also can we be joyful when we're thinking about um, our cohabitants? Mm -hmm. um, for me, I'm hoping that this book brings about practical conversations 
and by that practical conversations, conversations dealing with uh, poverty, urban poverty, mental health, mm-hmm. sex, early childhood development, um, substance abuse. I um, practical conversations to do with um, personal estates, right? Mm-hmm. Wills, trust. What what is the archive of someone impoverished, right? How many how many of us actually do have wills and living trust? Uh, the question of um, the practical conversations of um, you know how is your sex life affected by what happened to you in your childhood? Um, but conversations not only with other creative folks. Um, conversations with folks actually in the field, um, in the field of urban development and housing and homelessness and and all of that stuff. Because I think the book as a whole, I I I kind of I kind of went the juggernaut with touching on a whole lot of things um, because. You know, I just thought about like, well, as with the monument for, you know, these childhood friends who were adults, um, guardians in a sense, Cowboy and Billy, you know, what is, you know, what are the archives? What is the personal and artistic inventory of someone who without the means or without the, um, intellectual facility to uh, even get that together, you know? Um, But then also to think about um, what motherhood is, what motherhood can be, practical conversations about menopause, perimenopause, um, moisturizing, You know, um, but yeah, like I like I like I want those conversations to to be had with Uh, with this book. mm -hmm. You know, um, the things that we learn from from older girlfriends and not from our mothers. You know, the things that we learn from observing uh, women with children how they raise their child, children, um, or how persons with children raise their children versus to what, what you thought might've been, you know, the other, the other, the other way of, of child rearing. Um, yeah, practical conversations. That's what I want from this book. Mm-hmm. It brings to mind, I've been working with some friends mm-hmm. in Mexico city and we went into um a woman's prison been there a few times now with musicians and and the whole idea is to get you know the stories going and the poems going they know a lot of their own poetry uh many of the inmates are uh indigenous and they're working with uh there's a lot of incredible writing in Nahuatl and it's now being translated and and then they have their children with them that's kind of allowed there and uh course often until only until they're six years old when they're taken out and can either go to family or go to 
orphan orphanages and that sort of thing. But it's it's pretty intense. But the delight in in these sessions, you know, we've had with um, encouraging, and I, I know you all have worked both both of these other writers have worked in these kinds of situations, but are very but they're very you know, particular, and you get to know people, and you're, you know, you're writing letters from, I'm back in New York now, writing uh, letters that are then translated into Spanish, just connecting with people, we're trying to get an anthology together of, um, you know, some of those stories and, and lessons or whatever, or, you know, transmission. Actually, I have a, I have a request, I don't know, um, I'm uh, recently in touch with the formerly incarcerated person who was just released that we, we, I was in touch with his lawyer before. He's seeking a mentor for creative writing. If there's anyone who's interested in mentoring somebody who was just released from incarceration, please write me. I'm trying to help him find somebody. Speaking of practical conversations. I think we, all, we can all still move in at these places into these places and also have lots of histories and mm -hmm. I'm just glad you know these these all with all the problems during COVID when and you feel nervous about it, using up paper and all the delays and then, then you have this you know gorgeous book in your hands just what I remember Lawrence mm -hmm. talking about that the you know how many trees went into this book is it worth it? And thinking about those kinds of things. I can see the, the difficulty, like I don't, I'm not familiar with your poetry specifically, but you said like, I mean, someone asked you to move towards more personal realm. And it's, it's kind of like a difficult separation because in the poem, there is no differentiation between what is personal and public. It's not like a spaces like you can throw a line or like something like that so so yeah I can see I mean it's easier to think on how you process or how you relate to kind of like or how you I mean do a kind of like a mental metaphor of the places that are around you and how you connect to people in different places I I like the idea brought up from Latasha because I mean the poem can be a place of conversation and she made it a place of a place of bringing you know unknown people and, and you I mean for Anne like she brought like people that are more known on other poets so but I mean I I'm kind of like a big fan of an American culture and her name is Janet Eckelman and she she has all this conceptualization about public spaces as places of conversation and her sculptures speak to that like they are created on a net on the basic idea of a net that is a fishing net, and she learned that technique from like Indonesian fishermen and Southern Asian traditional fishermen. So her idea comes from like a style of life that is traditional and and that has this sort of separation where like, you know, the, the personal and the public are not completely split as it is in North American society or like in Anglo-American, you know, sort of traditional writing in San, San So. So yeah, I love Janet Eckerman because she's creating these common spaces and she's like making them, making a mark in the spaces somehow. So she's bringing art to public spaces that is relevant because it's kind of like trying to keep the conversation even in the open space. It's like thinking on share, like open spaces for sharing poems or like 
or like opening points to share ideas and things like that. So it's kind of like thinking on mixed media and kind of how to bring, I mean, break the impasses that, I mean, we find for like so many of the social problems that Latasha is speaking about. It's like, we are not gonna get any closer to eliminating like the source of everything that is negative, but maybe like getting to, I mean, and maybe we're past the stage of our awareness. So, I mean, there's like this need to push the media and the space is like, I think it's very relevant, like for, because every person relates differently to spaces and it's culturally ingrained somehow. So I think it's a good reflection from all poets in that way. Thank you. Oh, sorry, I think I, I wasn't speaking to the microphone. Maybe I didn't hear my, my comment. No, we heard you. I heard you. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. yeah. yep. Peter, you've been so generous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it has been a real delight. Um, but we are coming up on 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. And if there are any final comments, I am happy to kind of deactivate maybe like one or two more people if anyone does have any anything they want to address otherwise i think diane okay let me get you unmuted there diane thank you sorry i'm cutting off and in i just i really want to say that i appreciate uh the notion of kinetic bard and <laughs> Because in the years that I was at Europa, those seven years there, I always thought, what about the school of embodied poetics? <laughs> so now I realize it's actually better. It's kinetic bard because it's movement. It's not just embodied, something kind of concentrated, but it's actually movement. And when I come to the States the next time, I would love to move with you and if possible with Eleni and uh physicality of your sound <laughs> thank you very much and thank you city lights <laughs> yeah and i just want to give a shout out to my brother who showed up who did the music that we heard hi brother <laughs> what a lovely piece that was <laughs> well everyone Elaine was, I thought I saw Elaine's hand. Elaine's right here. She is. Uh, <laughs> well, let me, mean... let me unmute Elaine for a sec. Yeah. Hello, you beautiful people. <laughs> it is such a pleasure to hear you all and see you. Um, you know, uh, for anyone who's still here who doesn't know who I am, I'm Elaine and I am... Um, the publisher at City Lights and uh, kind of run the show here these days have been for a while and hearing everybody say things about City Lights is um, very affirming always. Um, and, you know, Peter does such an amazing job with these events. And I was happy to hear Cole say what she did because Peter and I both feel that way about like, you know, these kinds of Zoom communities. Um, like they, it, it is a wonderful addition to our lives and we're committed to continue doing it because otherwise, you know, I, I, getting all of you in the same room is probably not possible. So um, 
And I just wanted to say also, because Anne, you were sounding so kind of nostalgic and, and sort of like, what's happening out there? Are you okay in California? And I appreciate that very much. And I just want to say, yeah, we're okay. You know, we're here, solid. I'm sitting in my office here in the beautiful City Lights building. Columbus Avenue is right outside. You know, it's a North Beach night and 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 we're good. And uh, and it's just really lovely to see all of you and hear all of you. And um, I did get to see Eleni recently, but you know, and I don't know you yet, Latasha, but I hope I meet you someday. And Anne, I really miss you and I can't wait to see you sometime soon. So, um, but you know, we're committed here to keeping the flame burning. And, and it's really great to have a night like this when another one of our, our colleague presses is celebrated in this way. You know, Coffee House has done an amazing job through the years. It was touching to see that Alan's daughter is in the chat saying how happy she is that Alan Kornbloom's work continues on. And that's really sweet. And I'm not Lawrence's daughter, but sometimes I feel like some kind of, you know, spawn of this project somehow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so. Anyway, that's all very incoherent. It's at the very end, but I just wanted to send love to all of you. And thanks, thank Peter. You so for much. It's so great to hear from you and that you were here. Yeah, and I was in the bookstore, as Elaine said, two weeks ago, and it was hopping. It was just packed. It was so exciting to see how lively it was. And thank you, Peter and Elaine, for just, yeah, infrastructure poetics, as Anne calls it, keeping the work we do in the world. Um, we couldn't do it without you. And yeah, in terms of like, it feels like there was some, you know, this ongoing question, what do we do? We do everything and we do poetry <laughs> for the flame. Really such a pleasure, you know, this has been such an amazing, amazing night. And uh, I, I think I'll leave it be Elaine's final words really said said it all. So love you all. We hope to see you again very, very soon. Please take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to Live from City Lights, a podcast from City Lights Bookstore and Publishers. Our theme music was provided by Axolotl. All City Lights events are free. To see upcoming events at City Lights Bookstore in San Francisco, check out www.citylights.com events.